All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Listening to Dropping the Gloves with former NHL All-Star John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts and delivered by DoorDash. Good morning, everybody. Thanks for joining us. Another episode of Dropping the Gloves. Thank you for joining us. Tim's here, of course. I'm here, of course. Tim, how was your weekend? Did you get any shenanigans, Tim? You know what? Uh, something kind of crazy happened to me over the weekend. What? and I, I almost didn't bring it up just because like, I'm not going to be able to tell it well enough that it's going to just illustrate what this was really like. Uh, but I'll tell the ending and then I'll go back and tell you just a little bit how it happened. But Tarantino, I got hit by no, I love that. I got hit by a car while I was walking my dog. That's that's the ending. And I know it's okay. So that that is kind of crazy, but it's way crazier than it sounded. But it's also not as crazy. So let me way just go back. Crazier than it sounded. Okay. Uh, I'm walking the dog and we're crossing the street. It's me and the dog Levi and Megan, the girl I've been seeing. And we're crossing like a main, pretty major main road, four lanes, like a busy, busy street. And there's a light and there's a crosswalk with a, with a pedestrian light. It goes green for us. We start walking and there's a car across the street turning left onto the main road. So they'd be kind of driving right into us. And so it's a big black SUV and it starts pulling up as we're walking, but I'm not paying attention thinking a car is going to hit me. I'm in a crosswalk. I got the light and then it just keeps getting closer and closer and turning. And I think, okay, in my mind, I'm like, it's kind of rude that they pull right up to us. You know what I mean? But sometimes people do that. It's not illegal. It's just kind of being a jerk rather than give the pedestrian, you know, extra room, but whatever. But then they pick up speed and they turn even tighter and tighter into us. And so I don't see it till the last second. Megan screams and I just yell the F-bomb. I didn't know what to do. I was just, ah! And I just kind of pushed her, got out of the way, and the mirror got my shoulder. And it just, and okay, and then it keeps going and it pulls over down the road. There's a guy right there stopped at the red light. He's like, are you guys okay? We're like, yeah, are you okay? Megan's okay, whatever. And I'm thinking, okay, heart's racing. Like, it's no big deal. It didn't hurt. It just, like, just kind of clipped me. And um, so, okay. If assuming that she didn't do it on purpose, let's assume that because there's a song chance based on what how it looked that she did. And okay, so maybe if she if she didn't do it on purpose, she's either under some kind of crazy influence or she's distracted, distracted. right? Yeah. 
But I'm like, how do you, how can you not look where you're going when you're taking a left into traffic? You know, like that's not really a texting scenario. Is she looking at the cars coming towards her, trying to get. Through? She's got a protected green into oh. the, into the main road, except for there's pedestrians crossing there too, yeah. and so she's got a protected left, and and I don't know how you can take a left turn without looking you know what i mean so and here's the craziest part she didn't slam on the brakes she sped up. she sped up and then quick collision and then she pulled over as if she was like oh what happened back there you know what i mean as opposed to like if she saw it if she was distracted and didn't didn't see us till we were right there you would think slam on the brakes anyone yeah. would do it so yeah. i think she it was middle of the day it was like saturday in the afternoon it must have been on some drugs or something because the reaction time just wasn't there i was fine it we didn't do anything i was like are you okay the megan the driver didn't even like they pulled over didn't even open the window they just like i'm assuming they looked back at us but it was tinted windows so i couldn't see what they were doing and they were probably 100 feet that's how far they went before they stopped there was no there was no urgency in like slamming on the brakes and so yeah we were fine and after as i'm walking i calm myself down i'm like i should have gotten the, the license plate. We could have gotten some money out of that, but it so is what it is. No we were fine. there was no interaction between you and this person who hit you. How did you know no. it was a woman? I saw... I, no, I did see that it was a woman in that... As she... Yeah, in that quick moment. Um, but yeah. Yeah, just a reckless, probably no drunk way. driver. I don't know. Yeah. You been walking your dog. You got the guy in the scooter. <laughs> yeah. Hey, got this lady hitting you. I'm also picking up hockey sticks. It's the highs and lows of the dog walking life, you know? That's wild. Yeah. Dang. How was your weekend? It, it does go with the the generalization that women are terrible drivers. <laughs> I made that joke. I was like, ah, oh, women drivers, huh? It's and- the truth, though, because my wife, God bless her, terrible driver. So slow. I'm like, let's go. Whenever we go somewhere, I'm like, I'm driving because I can't. I just can't take it. Not dangerous, but just distracted, not focusing. And then we'll, like, we'll be driving somewhere, and she'll scream at me in my ear, "Dear!" I'm like, I thought, <laughs> like, don't, like, just relax. But my weekend was fine. It was good. Beautiful weekends out here. The colors are popping. I had a hockey game last night that started up men's league. Back to back games. I played two in a row. Thought I could. Were you an it. extra? No, I, I started a new league. I, I quit A League. It was too much for me. So I'm an extra for that team now. And they just happened to kind of dovetail with me after my first game. And I, I went to the A League. And oh, by the third period, the lactic acid was, was starting to build up. I was so incredibly sore. My knees were, were just shaky. I, I can't do it anymore. Six periods. Right in a row, boom, boom, boom. And between the first and second game, I tossed back a couple home brews. I was struggling. I was struggling. But I did have a, a goal from just outside the blue line. Clapper, slap shot, boom, right in. Couple Why were you shooting from outside the blue line? What was the... I'm the man, because I'm the man. I do what I want. You want to rush or what? I, I picked off a pass, and I went in, and I said, I'm going to fire this one. And it went in. Boom. Nice. And a couple couple assists. You know, it was it was a good day. How is how's the... How's the competition level for the old guys, the older league? It's good. Yeah? It's good. I'm the best player, but it's good. <laughs> it makes me feel good leaving the rink, but it's it's fine. Then I went back up to A-League, and I was still you know, player of the game, obviously, but it was fun. 
it was fun to go six. It just got me thinking, like, I, I'm 40 now and playing that much hockey. I woke up this morning. I was sore. I'm sore right now. Like, my knees, my legs, and I'm just like, man, back in college, I could squat all day. All day long, bench press, deadlift, cleans, hang cleans, all this stuff, push-ups, sit-ups. Like, we, like at MTU, you would – in college, you do Olympic lifting. You know that. It's completely different from training when you go to the pros. At Michigan Tech, you go there. It's like you're, you're building strength. And you're in the gym two hours a day. I, I walked into campus. I was like 185. I walked out of campus. I was like 235. Like he, I, I threw 50 pounds of muscle on when I was at Michigan Tech. I was in so great shape when I was up there. Now, I, I can't even play six periods with just – Guys who are forty years and plus, and then young kids. I was I was gassed. Absolutely, I had to change positions in the third period because I could not. I'm like, I gotta go forward. I'm sorry. So I, I told one of the forwards, I'm like, please switch with me because I I can't skate backwards. I can't pivot. My knees are gone, completely, completely and utterly gone. But we won. That's all that matters. I was. I don't think I was first star because one guy on my team had a hat trick. But I assisted on two of his goals, primary assists. Plus, I had a goal, so I don't know how that works out. You Definitely I mean? not first star. <laughs> but if but if I'm giving him primary assists where it's just a tap in or a tip, who's making that play? Who's getting the accolades? You know, what I would say was after he would score, I said, "Good goal, great pass." <laughs> That's what I would say, and I said it every time he scored. I'm like, "That was a good goal. Pass was great, though." But it was it was fun, it was fun. So the weekend was good. The kids came to the game. All is well in the world. You know what else is all is well in the world, Tim? The Buffalo Sabres, my former team, transitioning back to the NHL. I know our listeners want to hear about our men's league and you getting just assaulted in uh, North Carolina all the time. It's amazing. But we're on to the NHL. Buffalo Sabres, much maligned Buffalo Sabres, a decade plus of just awful play, hot starts, followed by just atrocious second half of the seasons haven't made the playoffs in what 14 years tim it's been a long time they have just been struggling consistent constant rebuild always next year always next year next year never seems to get here until this time tim this this year seems different doesn't it in a lot of ways the sabers are off to a hot start they're four and one they're second in the atlantic division this is Groundhog Day. This happened last year. This happened the year prior. I think it happened the year prior where they had this hot start the first 10 games of the season. They were clicking. Everything was going well. Doesn't this year seem different to you from the past years? What's going right? Why are they all of a sudden a different Buffalo Sabres in my eyes than what we've seen the past few years? Uh, a couple of things. The first one I think is Rasmus Dahlin. The start that he's had, he has not looked, he's looked like a different guy. And so far through five games, he's got five goals, three assists, eight points. He's the first player in NHL history to score in four opening games, let alone five. He's plus eight on the year. He's confident. It's not just the points. Watch the game. Watch him skate. Watch him. He's doing little dances in the locker room and stuff. He's just like, his confidence is through the roof. And this is what they wanted when they drafted him first overall. This is what they've been waiting for. So, so it's. I feel like in years past they thought of relatively hot, even like three and two, and that would be a good start for them. And then, but it would be like 
Casey Middlestat and like guys that were like starting off hot, but you know they're not going to keep it up. Darlene is going to be okay. He's not going to score a goal for a game on the season, but he's here. He's arrived. He's probably a top ten defenseman if this if this keeps up. And so I think that's a big piece. Another reason why it feels different is the Eichel thing, the Eichel situation where you go back with the same group every year, expect different results. Jack Eichel's gone, and you got guys big time stepping up. Alex Tuck, he's got six goals on the year. That trade is looking pretty good right now. And Eichel's also solid, and Vegas is doing well. It's just I'm not I'm not dumping on them, but those two guys have just made it feel like it's a different start to the season. No, it's okay to dump on Eichel. This that was a turning point with this team. I I, I totally agree with you. It was that. It was the Reinhardt trade. It was the Rasmus Ristolainen trade. All of those things that were everybody thought were going to hurt this team. I think they needed that switch. They needed to kind of wash their hands of everything. All of that just bad mojo, that bad energy, whatever you want to call it, it was gone. The whole Eichel situation was really a cancer on this team. And you could tell they were going to the rink. They weren't happy. They weren't having fun. And it weighs on you. Now they got young guys in there. They got some other veterans to join this team. Like you said, Alex Tuck is playing great. Maybe losing those guys. Casey Middlestead has a little bit more ice time. He's getting more top-line minutes. Tage Thompson's coming into his own. This seems like a completely different team that was ice last year, even though most of the faces are the same. But you nailed it right off the bat. The reason this team is having so much success is the guy in the back end. It's Rasmus Dahlin. I I criticize this guy. I'll, I'll, I'll own that. He did not look good his first season. Started to come into his own his second season. Maybe the transition from the Swedish league to the NHL was was a difficult one. I don't know. Whatever it is, the guy looks good now. He's controlling the play. He's just been a stud on the power play. He's leading all defensemen in points. He's leading his team in points. He has been the difference maker right now for the Buffalo Sabres. And it doesn't hurt. Yeah, Alex Tuck's putting in points. You got Tage Thompson chipping in. Victor Olofsson's playing really, really solid hockey. And then to boot... I think their MVP so far this season, Craig Anderson. The ageless wonder. He's playing fantastic. He's leading all goalies and goalies against average. He's leaving all goal, leading all goaltenders in save percentage. He's playing great. The guy does not age. I said it when we had uh, Stevie Dangle on. This guy doesn't get his due. All he does is go out and he makes saves. That's all he does, Tim. He doesn't ask for anything. He doesn't want any accolades. He laces up his skates, he gets on the ice, and he just stops the puck. And he's doing everything right right now. Can they sustain this? Ilya Lubushkin's been playing well. Do you think this this trend will continue? You know, come the trade deadline, are the Buffalo Sabres in the mix for a playoff spot in the Atlantic Division? I think you probably say they might be in the mix. They're definitely surprising some people, but I think we asked this from uh, Steve last week, and it's hard. It's a hard division to play, and it's a hard conference to lock up those wild card spots. It's like, are they going to be better than Boston and Florida and Tampa and Toronto in the end? Uh, maybe they edge out one of those teams if 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 everything goes right and another team has everything go wrong, but probably not. And so you're looking at a wild card, but again, you're competing against Carolina and the Rangers and Flyers, Phillies, I'm sorry, Phillies, uh, Penguins, all that. So I don't know. I, I don't think they're a playoff team yet, but it is definitely a step in the right direction. When you look around some of the other, uh, the teams that are building towards something, it's a good sign for this Buffalo's team. Yeah, I agree. Hey, will they make the playoffs this year? No, they won't. 
And and but they're in the same boat as Detroit and Ottawa. Th- those three teams are the future of this division. Boston's trending downwards. I know they had a hot start, but it, it, they it, lead the league in points, John. They are the right. best team. They have ten points. I agree. They are trending downwards when you when you look at the five year plan. I think Detroit, Buffalo, Ottawa, they're ascending. Tampa Bay's descending. I think Florida is staying status quo. I don't know how they're going to shake out. Toronto, uh, I think last year was their high watermark. I really do. They're still very elite. I still think they can win the Stanley Cup this year. We talked about their misgivings last show with Steve, but they didn't add to their team this year. They subtracted. So I think when you look at the Atlantic, two, three years from now, it would not surprise me the top three teams are Buffalo, Detroit, and Ottawa. The bottom three teams are Tampa, Florida, and Boston. And that's just how I see it right now. And Montreal is the wild card. Who who knows where they're going to end up? But to start the season, this is a fantastic start for the Buffalo Sabres. Everything's clicking. The guys are flying. I like it. I think it's it feels different from years past. I don't think they're you know getting lucky in games. I don't think they're eking out wins that they shouldn't win. When you watch the you know the puck possession, when you watch the shots, when you watch all these chances, they're just they're better than the teams that they're playing. They're the better team most nights on the ice. Gosh, their last win, Tim. They were by far the better team. Like, leaps and bounds better than the team they play, the Vancouver Canucks. And let's transition to the Canucks because, holy moly, you don't want to kick a horse when it's down. You don't want to beat a dead dog. Is Did I mix those two up? Kick a dog? Kick a broken dog? Yeah. <laughs> kick a dog when he's down? I don't know. I can't possibly be right. I, I don't know if I, I'm I'm butchering that. I probably am. But the Canucks, you, you think it can't get any worse. You're playing a Buffalo Sabres team that rightfully so should you should beat. They are rebuilding. They are a younger team. You spend more money on your hockey players than the Buffalo Sabres spend on their hockey players. This should be a winnable game. This The Canucks just got outworked, outclassed, outplayed, out everything. To the point now where the jerseys are getting thrown on the ice and their captain, their leader... Just what did tell everyone his quote because it's it's laughable. Yeah, this is Bo Horvat being interviewed. He said, "My jersey got thrown in the ice last year, and I'll never forget that as long as I play. It's something that hits home, and when you see it happening again this year, it definitely sucks. But I understand their frustration. We haven't really given them much to cheer about. It's been a lot of years in the rebuild stage, and." At this point in the season, it just feels like it's never going to happen, like we're never going to win again. <laughs> Love that. Love that. Y- your, your leader, <laughs> the guy that you look to when the going gets tough, you need, a, you need a guy to lead you into battle. You need a guy to say, you know what, everybody? Jump on my back. I got this. I'm going to will you to victory. Lead by example. <laughs> and he says, I, I don't know if we're ever going to win again. What? 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 At Can you picture point, Mark Messier saying that? You know what I mean? Or any captain in the NHL. What is happening in Vancouver? Like, what is happening? It, I, you are the captain of the Vancouver Canucks. You have an obligation to instill passion, pride, 
in your teammates. That's your job, your one job. And you give an interview after a game where you lose five to one in the Buffalo Sabres and you say, you know what? I don't think we're ever going to win again. That's how it feels right now. What are we doing, Bo Horvat? Do you think this reaction is different if JT Miller doesn't sign a long-term contract and Bo Horvat gets the long-term deal? Do you think there is some some lasting kind of feelings over JT Miller? And Bo Horvat knows he's out the door. There's there's no money there for him unless they make a move. What's I don't know. What's going on in his head when he makes these comments, Tim? What do you because it's 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 not normal for a captain to say these things. Well, captain or not, like you said, he's got an expiring contract. This team is not going to be in contention. So you got to think at some point he's got to have like trade on his radar and where he could go and being traded to a contender, blah, blah, blah. And so if Bo Horvat isn't really producing and he's not winning games, if you bring him in for something, you would think we're in the sea. It's going to be leadership. It's going to be present in the locker room. It's going to be experience. Those are the things that you can point to and say, okay, if nothing else, I know Bo Horvat, even when he's not scoring, is going to bring these intangible things. But then if you're a GM in the league and you're looking around and you see this headline and you see a captain saying, starting 0-6, feeling it's like he's never going to win again, what is he bringing to the table at that point? That's not a guy that I'm going to look at and be like, hey, you know what? We want a veteran leader to add at the deadline. Let's go get Bo Horvat. That's like a – it just sounds like a loser. He sounds like a loser when he talks loser. like that. <laughs> I, yeah. I don't, I don't know how else you quantify it other than he's, he's, he's been beaten down and he's, he's done. He's absolutely done. His, his fight level is not there. He's been in Vancouver for almost a decade now, 2013. Expectations every year for Vancouver are we need to win the Stanley Cup. They've spent to the cap. They brought in people. They've been active, active at the deadline. They they re-signed their top guys, and they have just underperformed every single year. And it goes along with playing in Canada. With those expectations, being the captain of that team, if you're not producing, you're getting the brunt of that negative media all that stuff that comes along with all those expectations when you don't exceed those or meet those. And he's done. He is a beaten dog. He has nothing left. You can, you can see this. the same thing happened to Dion Phaneuf. The same thing is happening to Connor McDavid. The same, like this happens. You can see the progression from year one, two, three. Now it's year 10. He looks a lot older. The smile's gone. Nothing is fun. He's done. He does not enjoy playing hockey right now. And it's only game six. There are 76 more games to go. It's October. It's It's crazy. It's insane how fast this happened. Starts are so important. Now it just begs the question, what happens with Vancouver? What happens with this team? You're theoretically already out of it. The only thing that saves you, and we'll touch on this later, is the Pacific Division, like I said, is absolute trash. So they could turn it around and string together a couple wins, and they're in first place in the Pacific. Maybe not first, in a playoff position. But are they going to make the like make a run in the playoffs? No. What is what's the end game here in Vancouver? The the what can they do, Tim? Honestly, you sign JT Miller to a long-term deal. All your other High-end guys are, are locked in. Pedersen's locked in for two more years. You got Garland locked in. You got Brock Besser locked in. Hughes, Ekman, Larson locked in. 
what moves can they make to change the makeup of this team? And if you do make a move, you're, you're taking a bath on the return. Teams know you're you're in a tough spot right now, so you're not going to get the greatest return for a bull Horvat if you do want to make that deal. I don't know. What, if you're their GM, if you sit down, you're like, okay, we've had a rough start. What are they, 0-4-2? They've had an atrocious start. You're the new GM, Patrick Olivine. What's your first move? Uh, there's a few things that come to mind. You could talk about removing the C from Horvat, and not just because of these comments, because we talked about this last week. We talked about it in the offseason. <clears throat> Something's going to change there. And, at, you know, similar to what we saw with, with Winnipeg, it's nothing to do specifically toward Blake Wheeler, just more like a change is needed, it's not working. So I think that's a minimum thing that they could do. They could also look at making a move, trading someone, Horvat being a likely candidate for that. There's a couple of other guys like Tanner Pearson, Maybe a Garland where they're good enough that they're getting some kind of return. You're sending a message, but not so good that you're trading away like core pieces like a Pedersen or a Besser or something. And then another thing I thought of is, is Bruce Pajot's job on the line at this point in the season? Is, it, is he already on the firing block? And if so, how far do you go? How many losses does it take? Even if you win the next two, you start the year two, six and two or whatever. Like that's enough to, to lose a job for, for a lot of players and a lot of coaches. Yeah, the, it, it's a it's an oddly constructed team, and I don't want to spend too much time on their roster. But you really these days, you have to be sure who you hit your card to, because is Brock Besser the guy? Is Pedersen the guy? You know what I mean? Do do you need to sign Brock Besser to a, a three year, twenty some million dollar? I, that's your team. That's that's your guys. So, I don't know. They need a complete overhaul. The way I look at their roster right now, everybody knows their defense is atrocious. Ekman Larson, Myers, Luke Shen, Quinn Hughes. That's not the answer. Thatcher Demko is a great goal. We, we've seen him exceed. He, he's, he's a very good – he's not the issue. The issue is defense, and the issue, honestly, is the forwards. Also, JT Miller, he's been struggling this year. Pedersen, he, he puts up points, but is he the guy? Besser, we know he's a sniper. Is he is he that guy? I, I just I don't have any confidence of anybody on this team. And I want them to win. I, I do. But when I look at this roster, the way it's constructed, they have no cap space. None. Whatsoever. There there'll be a bad team for years to come. There and there's no the the guys you want to trade, if I'm the GM of the Canucks. I want to unload Ekman Larson. I want to unload Tyra Myers. I want to unload, no offense, friend of the show, I want to get rid of JT Miller. Those are the guys you need to get rid of. There's no way you can do it. None whatsoever. JT is going to be 30 this year. And his extension hasn't even kicked in yet. Hasn't even kicked in yet. So, I don't know. It is what it is. Every time. You take your shot. You shoot your shot as a GM. You, you try to assemble a team. They went for it. They signed Pedersen. They signed Horvat. They brought in JT Miller. They brought in Connor Garland. They brought in Ekman Larson. They brought in Tyler Myers. It hasn't worked. It's not going to work. You tried to, you know, bring some more talent in this offseason. You bring in Makiev from Toronto. You get Curtis Lazar for the fourth line. It hasn't worked. They're they're a bad team. And to boot, there's turmoil in the locker room. Did you see Luke Shen and JT Miller at the end of the second period bickering at each other on the ice on the way into the locker room? 
Did you see that? Yeah, I just watched it. Not good. Not good. Connor Garland's breaking it up, and he's a healthy scratch. It's just like there's so many things going on with this team. It's it's crazy. Dysfunction. And this is what happens when you're on a losing team. All the frustrations, they boil to the top. Everything is exposed, and you react. You're upset. Luke Shen, something. JT Miller had a bad turnover at the end of the period. If you're winning, if things are good, you just suck it up and nothing happens, and you go on your way with the assumption you're going to win the game. When you're losing – when times are tough, that that pops up. That that something happens. You say something. What's the difference from your experience? Because you played on some bad teams, like the Sabers, right? But you yep. but you knew you weren't going to win. Versus the Sharks, you weren't that bad, but you missed the playoff, and the expectations were high for that group. What's the difference when you you know you're going to be bad versus the major disappointment? Well, it's you nailed it. It's the expectation. So you assume going into a game that the only way you win is if everything goes right. Going into it, that's like last night with the Canucks. Going into that game, they are the better team. That's the frustrating thing for them. When you look at just on paper, strictly, boom, it's there. Not even anything that's happened on the ice. You go, I have Pedersen. I have Besser. I have Horvat. I have Miller. I have Garland. I have Makiev. I have Pearson. I have Lazar. I have Pod Colson. That forward group in itself should hands down take care of the Buffalo Sabres any day of the week. When you look at the Sabres, they, you go, you got Jeff Skinner, Thompson, Tuck. That That's a good first line. After that, it's just role players. Asplund, Middlestead, Olsen, Henestroza, Cousins. We're better up front. We are. And then you go out and you just get outworked, outplayed, out-talented, and it's frustrating. You have all these expectations, and it's frustrating to heck. When I was on the San Jose Sharks, we were expected to compete for a Stanley Cup. We were terrible. We had obviously issues with the GM, with the coach, all that stuff. That didn't help, but it, it, it wears on you. Guys get frustrated with each other, and it's usually the top guys going back and forth with each other because the expectations are there. It's the Pavs going after the Jumbos and this and that and the Coutures and the Hurdles and the Marlows. It was just dysfunctional because you have high expectations. Going into the season like Buffalo or Arizona when we were just expected to be garbage – you want other guys to do good. When when good things happen, you're like, that's great. When bad things happen, you go, you know what? We're not supposed to be good. We're supposed to lose. So you just kind of compound the good things. And when the bad things happen, you just kind of let them go. Whereas if you have high expectations, if a bad things happen, you focus on that. Then it gets worse. And you focus on that. And it gets worse. And you focus on that rather than focusing on the good stuff. And right now, the, the Canucks... They are focusing on all the bad stuff. They're, they're getting in each other's head to the point where the captain comes out and says, I don't think we're going to win again. And it just is like, wow. Holy boy. We're six games in, and we are an absolute train wreck. I feel bad for the Canucks. Boudreaux will not last through November. They'll, they'll get rid of him. He's the easy guy. He'll be gone. They'll bring somebody else in. But this team, oof, they are a train wreck. You know who's not a train wreck? Kind of a surprising start. Two two surprising starts we're going to talk about. First, the Dallas Stars. Have not lost in regulation yet. First in the Central. Friend of the show, Joe Pavelski. Hat trick on Saturday. Ottinger's playing fantastic. Why is this team winning games, Tim? What, what else are they doing other than Pavs and Ottinger? 
Yeah, well, those those two guys are a big part of it. Nottinger, I am a huge fan of. <clears throat> but I think a big part of their game so far has been their depth. They're getting a lot of scoring from a lot of different guys, not just Pavelski, not just the Sagan, Vagilov's bend of the world, but they're getting scoring up and down the lineup. And in fact, they have seven players with three or more points on the year, which, I mean, I didn't look at every single team, but that's not a lot of teams that can boast that kind of depth. So that's Pavelski, Hintz, Jason Robertson, Mason Marchment, Tyler Sagan, Miro Heiskanen, and Niels Lundqvist. And that's not even to mention some of the other guys that are underproducing that could step up, like a Ben, like a Glenn Denning, like a Kiviranta. So Gurianov is scoreless, and he's been an important part of the depth for several years now. So I think this is a good team, and I think I think they're maybe surprising some people. And I, I you know, I predicted Sagan to have like a solid bounce back year, and he's looking pretty good. Two goals and three assists in five games so far. Did you see that story that he came out with that he almost retired? He was talking to his friend about, you know, how hard it is and he's had his surgery and he's just, it's hard. I might retire. It just came out. I I was kind of thrown off by that. I I never like hearing that from my star player that he's contemplating retirement at 29 years of age because he had, he had a big surgery, like hip, hip replacement is a big one, but he's playing better this year. He's got five points, two goals, three assists. We set it before the season. In order for the Dallas Stars to have any kind of success, they need him and Jamie Benn to play good. Jamie Benn, eh, not so great of a start. Two assists, no goals, dash three. Not great, not great. Pretty terrible. But Sagan, there's there's a glimmer of hope. You know, I, I like the Dallas Stars. They have They have a way they win games. It's defense first. They, they play very solid defense, and they're very opportunistic, and they have a lights-out first line. I thought the first line was going to struggle this year. Robertson missed all of training camp. Joe Pavelski's not getting – how does he keep doing this? Uh, what is he, 39 years old now, 38 years old, leading them in points? It's insane what he's doing. Can this and – I, and I know I ask this about every team. Are these guys for real? Like what? Why are they always overlooked? But are these guys honestly for real? They have a solid defense. They pick up Mason Marchment. That was a good pickup this offseason. He's he's playing well. He's got six points in five games. They got Heiskin in. They got Lindell. They got Ryan Sutter. He's been playing well since he's been inserted in the lineup. They got Kiviranta. He's okay. Is this a thing for Dallas? Are, are, are they are they in play at the end of the season? They are legit. They are the real deal. And I'm looking at Pavelski just real quick. Last year was the only time that he reached 81, 80 points in a season. First time being like basically a point per game. So he just keeps getting better and better. I don't know how, yeah. I don't know how he's doing it. But yeah, the stars are for real. When you have Ottinger, when you have that talent up front and a solid defense, you're going to be competitive. And I think the path is them for there, is there for them to take. I agree, especially in this division where there's a lot of regression. There's a lot of bad teams in this division. And I don't think anybody really improved. The Minnesota Wild are struggling mightily. The Winnipeg Jets are struggling. Nashville hasn't won a game in North America yet. That's, you know, they won their European vacation. They have not won in Nashville or the continental United States. Chicago's playing okay. But when you look at the Central, St. Louis, St. Louis is a sneaky good team. They've only played three games somehow. I don't know how the scheduling worked out. They're 3-0. I like myself the St. Louis Blues. Colorado, dealing with injury issues, maybe a little Stanley Cup hangover. They lost some pieces. Everybody knows after last season. They're going to be there in the mix at the end. But the Dallas Stars, fast forward two months from now, it would not surprise me if they're first place in the Central and St. Louis is right on their heels. 
or vice versa, and Colorado's got the third seed locked up. But I think I, I'm confident enough right now. We can call the Central Division. It's over. Wow, already? Yeah, I'm calling it. First first two weeks of the season, it's going to be those three teams, Dallas, Colorado, and St. Louis. What other team in the Central team, Tim, can you see taking a spot from those three teams? So are you already out on Minnesota completely? I'm out. Yeah, I, I am. They're, they're in cap hell right now. Obviously, everybody knows. I think it's $14 million they had to give up for the Parisi Suter cap hit. Marc-Andre Fleury looks every bit of 37 years old so far. He even said it in the media. He's like, I'm playing bad. I got to be better. He's not better. Yeah, he's been struggling. I just don't think they have it. Winnipeg, everybody knows the dysfunctional nature of that team. Nashville, eh, I don't think they're better than St. Louis, Colorado, or Dallas. And Chicago is just, they're they're in the Bedard sweepstakes. And then Arizona, it's a cute team. Arizona, they're fun. But no, it, they, those three teams are the class of the division. St. Louis, right now, I think is the best team in this division. They're good. The great thing about St. Louis they can beat you. And I said this about Calgary last year. St. Louis can beat you in so many different ways. You want to play a defensive game? You want to just shell up? Okay. We'll beat you one nothing. We'll beat you 2-1. to one. That's fine with us. You want to run and gun? We'll beat you 7-6. You want to play physical? We can play physical. They have so many different ways to beat you. Jordan Bennington. I can't remember who they played last game. It was Edmonton. Edmonton, yep. Fantastic game. They beat Edmonton 2 nothing. Bennington was an absolute wall. Jack Campbell played great, but they 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 everybody thought it was gonna be a shootout. They played small ball, they played smart, they kept the puck to the outsides, they controlled Connor McDavid. Tory Krug played great. If he continues to play the way he's playing, you got Tory Krug, you got Justin Falk. The Blues are a dangerous team. They they really, really are. I like them. But then they like the Dallas Stars, too. So it's a fun division. Very top-heavy, much like a lot of the teams in the divisions in the Western Conference. The Pacific is uber top-heavy. But ah, I think Dallas Stars are for real, Tim. Let's talk about quick quick transition to a team in the Pacific who's struggling. And then we'll move on to some other fun stuff. Anaheim Ducks. Struggling. 1-4-1 one, and one to start the season. I had high hopes for them. I really did. I thought they were going to turn the page. They had some success last year. Troy Terry, Sonny Milano, all these other guys. Zegras, very exciting. Drysdale had a really good freshman campaign. They go out. They make some moves. They get Strom from New York. They get Petrano from New York. You get Klingberg from Dallas. You win that sweepstakes. Big season. John Gibson, always a stud between the pipes. They have just struggled, Tim. Nothing seems to go right for them. They're on the losing end of everything i don't know that's all i i just wanted to bring them up because i was looking at the standings i'm looking at who who should be in different spots everybody seems to be right where i think they should be except for the anaheim ducks i don't know what's going on with them i i I don't get it they're losing to the red wings 5-1 they're losing to the devils 4-2 they're losing to teams that they should beat and that's a concerning thing they I don't know. They lost to the the Islanders seven to one for Pete's sake. It's not like they're in these games. They're getting beat by bad teams, and it's not even close. I don't know. Their their season might be done already. It's John Gibson is a problem now, and for a while we would have thought that he was the only really good, possibly elite player on their team. And through five games, he's one in four. 452 goals against, sub-900 save percentage. That's not good enough. It's small sample size. I think he will bounce back. But, yeah, like these points early on are so important. 
and it's not a good start for this team. You mentioned like depth. They only have four players with four points or more. Only four. That's 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 not enough. Mason McTavish, Ryan Strom, Zegras, and Troy Terry. And even then, they only got one guy with four, four points or more. And that's Troy Terry. This team is out of sorts. They can't figure out their game. They aren't producing on the offensive side. And on the defensive side, they looked out of sorts. Drysdale's dash, Kulikov's dash. All these guys are – Klingberg, their big offseason pickup, is just hasn't looked good. The only good bright spot is Isaac Lundstrom, obviously. That guy doesn't have a bad game. He, he's been playing lights out. Strong third-line centerman, exactly what you wanted of him. But other than that – Oof, woof. The Anaheim Ducks need to... I think they can. I think they have some time. And like I said, gosh, that Pacific Division is just hot garbage. We'll, we'll touch on that in a little bit, maybe, Tim. But right now, let's talk about DoorDash. Let's talk about getting food in your belly. Let's talk about getting drinks down your throat, you animal. When you want to do it, do it with DoorDash. Tim does it. He got hit by a car. <clears throat> sake you think he's going to be able to walk to the grocery store you think he's going to want to make some food gotta get some doordash when you get when you're in a traumatic situation like that and when he uses doordash he uses our promo code gloves dd when you're in canada gloves dd us when you're in north carolina hold up in a hospital because you got a broken femur because some crazy lady hits you with her mercedes benz so use doordash it ails all your all your what it hurt it helps all your ailments i don't know how that works but yeah use doordash we use them you should use them they're a good company check it out promo code gloves dd us you're from the us of a gloves dd if you're in canada you get 25 percent off you get free delivery you get delicious food when you want it where you want it doordash boom all right tim what are we talking about now well the jacob chitron rumors have been swirling i want to touch on that so will they ever end (laughs) Yeah, and it goes back to last summer, honestly. And then we, we talked a lot of bit of it at the trade deadline. Didn't get moved, obviously. And there's a great article put up by uh, Matt Larkin in Daily Faceoff, and he kind of listed the teams that are in the hunt for this for this player. And he said the favorites are the Senators and the Kings, and that's no surprise. They have been favorites for a while. And then you got the Leafs are also in the mix, and it's a couple of long shot teams: are Vancouver Canucks and the Florida Panthers. And Florida's an interesting case too because Ekblad is going to be out, but probably not for the whole season. They said, but there's really no timetable left. So there's there's a need, and obviously Vancouver needs defense. I think that the, the hang-up and the reason he hasn't been dealt yet is the asking price is still really high. Jeff Merrick from Sportsnet said that basically that's the main obstacle, and they want either two first-round picks or like a first-round pick and a, a player and a and, you know, prospect and the typical packages, and they just haven't been able to come close yet. And so I don't think – I don't think he gets moved until the deadline at the earliest. It seems like they can take their time. He's still in the contract, I think, for three more years after this year. Um, and he's not even playing yet. He's still hurt. He hasn't played a game yet. And I think he doesn't have a timetable to return yet. Um, I don't think he's skating and doing any impact stuff. So he's got some time. But, again, he's an impact player. Where do you think he goes? Is he an impact player? I don't know. I The verdict is still out on him. I like him. I just, everybody's talking about him like he's going to come in and just be Moses and part the sea and he's going to just take a team to the promised land and, oh, Jacob Chitron. I don't think he has that type of impact on a team. He's not that type of player. He will come in. He'll stabilize a defense. He'll be a good second pairing D-man. I don't don't care where he goes. I just want it to be done. I'm tired of this guy. I'm tired of this whole situation. Trade him. 
Get rid of him. I don't care. I don't care where he goes. He's not going to Toronto. I know that. He's not going to Vancouver. All these teams, maybe Ottawa, L.A. I don't care. What's the what's the asking price? What does Arizona want for this guy? Do you know? Yeah, that's what they said. They said probably two first-round picks or one of those combinations of a first and a high prospect and an NHL-ready player. And it's just – it's a lot. It's a lot for an unproven guy who's coming back from injury, whose sample size of being elite is very, very small. He had a great year, but wasn't even a full season. So yeah, – I'm not I'm – not- I'm not giving up two first-rounders for this guy. I would give up a prospect and a second-rounder for a Chitron. You know he's – yes, you do have the luxury where he's, he's tied up in his cap for a couple more years at a reasonable salary. But after that, he's going to want to cash in, boy. He's going to be 26 years old. He's going to want at least $9 million. He is not worth $9 million. Not in my book. He's a good defenseman. Don't get me wrong, but he's not a $9 million defenseman. He'll be a, That'll be a Seth Jones type of contract – a Darnell Nurse type of contract if and when he does sign that. But I'm just uh, I'm just sick of it. Just be done. You're dangling this carrot in front of the whole league for the last year and a half. Nobody cares, Arizona. Do something. Maybe they're doing this because they just want to be relevant a little bit. And so the GM's like, we got Jacob Chitrin. And everyone's like, oh, okay, well, let's make a deal. And he goes, maybe you want to. <laughs> oh, yeah, there's a team in Arizona. Wanna? I forgot. Oh, I'm still interested. And it's like a girl who just likes to be chased. But everybody knows she's, like, ugly. But she's, <laughs> she's wearing – or she's got the COVID mask on. Like, I think you're ugly under that. Come and chase me. Come and chase me. I think I like you. I don't know if that analogy works out. But it's just annoying. It's like Bill Armstrong, trade him. Or just stop talking about it. Gosh, we, don't look now. Arizona has four second round draft picks in 2025. Oh, they're gonna they're gonna nail it, knock it out of the park. I'm just looking at all their draft stuff. They got only one first round for the next three years, and they got a ton of second rounders, bunch of third rounders. Does anybody think they're actually gonna hit on any of these draft picks? No. Arizona's garbage. You're playing in a, like a East Coast league rink, and they can't even fill it up. Do something, or just stop talking about it. Stupid Arizona. Are they still paying? Yeah, they're paying Oliver Ekman Larson. They're still playing. It's a dysfunctional franchise. I hate talking about them. Just go away, Arizona. I love I love you, but go away. Stupid Arizona. All right, what are we doing now, Tim? Let's let's get you know what? Bet US, love it. I went 0 for 4. Every one of my bets just got smoked out of the water. The fantastic thing was I'm playing with house money, baby. Playing with house money with BetUS, because right now, if you sign up today, you enjoy a 125% deposit bonus. That means I'm starting with 100. They're giving me an extra $125. So all those bets I lost, joke's on you, BetUS. It's not even my money. So join up today. Don't even We don't even have any promo codes. Just join. Join in Tim and I on all the fun, because it's fantastic. Even though I lost all four of my bets on Friday, I still nailed it on Wednesday. So I'm playing with house money. So what are we doing tonight, Tim? What, where are you putting all your money from your little piggy bank there at Bet US? Yeah, I went two for three the other night. I was feeling really good. Who's, how did the Kraken beat the Avalanche? I'll never so know. So incredibly just maddening, the crack. Even the Blackhawks beating the Red Wings. I took all the favorites. <laughs> yeah. And they just all lost. Hockey's so great, except for the Coyotes. They are not great. 
That's why they play the games. Uh, I have two bets tonight. They're pretty simple ones. There's a handful of games. I think there's six tonight. I'm going with the overs club. I got over on Pittsburgh Edmonton. You got Crosby versus McDavid. I think there's going to be a lot of goals tonight. And then Carolina, Vancouver. Carolina is a high flying team. Vancouver is going to let in some goals. I, I mean, at a minimum, it's going to be like a four to three game. So that's an over. So yeah, I like both those teams to go over tonight. I'm taking the Canucks heavy tonight. I think they're going to get off the Schneid. Carolina played last night. Maybe they're feeling it. They're a little tired. They played the Calgary Flames. Always a hard-fought battle. Back-to-back. They're flying into Vancouver. I'm taking the Vancouver Canucks to get off the schneid. They're going to get their first win. Bo Horvat's going to get the game winner, hopefully. And everything's going to be right for a, a short period of time in Vancouver. So I'm hammering the Canucks. I'm betting big on them. They're, they get, The odds are through the roof for them, so I'm taking them. And I'm going to take the Toronto Maple Leafs. Just a straight-up winner. Odds aren't there, but I like the Toronto Maple Leafs. And to, to round it out, the Edmonton Oilers are going to get off the schneid, too. So I'm going Edmonton. I'm going Toronto. I'm going Vancouver. I'm going the Northern Special, picking all the Canadian teams. I'm not picking the Jets versus the Blues. But, no, we're not doing it. There's a lot of good games. Senators, Stars, that's going to be a good one to watch. So a lot of good hockey happening tonight. But hammer the Canucks in my mind. I think they're due. Tonight's no tonight. Way, there's no way they can lose their first seven. It's impossible. They have to win one game. Thatcher Demko's going to show up. Vancouver Canucks. I'm I'm going big on that one. Like I'm, I'm going to place a large wager on. I'm going to win big. But anyways, that's it, everybody. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for coming along for the ride. Check back in with us on Wednesday. we got some great stuff to talk about. We didn't even get to half the stuff we were going to talk about. That's, that's just insane. There's so much to talk about. But, yes, have a good Monday. Thanks for popping in. We'll talk to you guys on Wednesday. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Dropping the Gloves with John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode. Delivered by DoorDash.